Super Talk Mississippi media production. You know, 2020 was a year most of us would all love to forget, but I don't know that anybody wants to forget it more than our friends down in Baton Rouge and the LSU Tigers. Joining me now here on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline, my good friend Brody Miller, who covers the Tigers for The Athletic. Just sort of a big picture question to start off. What the hell went wrong down there? <laughs> well, I think the only accurate answer is to say that it was kind of a perfect storm of everything going wrong. As much as we all like to talk about 2019 being this, like, wow, everything that ever could have come together right did for a championship, everything went wrong. And that's not alleviating the blame from anyone, because I think a lot of people deserve blame. But, yeah, you start with... All right, you lose, yeah, it's 19 of 22 starters. That's already, you know, you're catching up a little bit. It's not the end of the world. Then pandemic hits, and you make some just awful hires, like Bo Pelini, a defensive coordinator that Ed Ogeron admits he might not have even interviewed. Uh, then you have... Uh, then you have the pandemic, obviously. You have cultural issues with the like with George Floyd pro- protests in the summer that rubbed the team the wrong way. And then it looks like you have a high-powered offense that's averaging like 400 passing yards a game with Miles Brennan. But then you know, and then and then he goes down for the season. So it's just this perfect mix of disastrous defense, bad culture, and it's a pandemic. So it makes you know anyone connecting weird across the whole country mixed with having to play two true freshman quarterbacks yeah it was just a a mess in every single way so the question i would have to ask then is how does lsu clean up that mess in 2021 what are the first steps they're going to have to take that's that's a great question because i think you saw i think ed ogeron's mentality was first thing recruit your team back right and I'm not going to say, like, I'm not going to pretend I know if he truly fixed the cultural issues or things like that this fast, but I will say the one positive I'll give him is the same kind of people that were pretty mad, you know, last summer and the fall, things like that, but some of those veteran guys, he convinced them almost all to stay. So maybe that means something, right, that you convince, you know, several senior defensive linemen and a bunch of major, your entire offensive lines back, all these things. So that's at least a, a little bit of a victory that you were able to get some confidence back there. So you start there. You have a strong infrastructure roster-wise. And then I think the next step was clearly he. the focus was on a staff that, yes, he wants good coaches, but there was a clear focus on guys who know how to connect and communicate and actually, you know, be you know, have a relationship with players because I, I, I think the staff before, quite frankly, was a lot of 60-plus white guys, you know, and, and that's just not always conducive to, especially more, now more than ever, really connecting with, you know, a roster full of, what, 75% black, you know, players. And I think you saw them make a push toward diversity, which they're trying to do across the entire pro, um, athletic department, but a lot younger, too. So you got... You know, Durante Jones is the defensive coordinator. I know he wasn't the first choice, but he still does kind of fit that, and he's, his one claim to fame is that he's good at those things. And, you know, you hired Jake Peets, who, you know, has raved about another young coordinator. And, you know, I, I think you start there, and, again, I don't know if they've achieved it, but the, the feedback from what I've heard has been there is a, a genuine difference in that part of it, the culture, the just the vibe in the, in, the, in the locker room and things like that. So it's a, it's a long-winded answer to say, I think they've done the work they need to do, and they have a talented roster, but you know, putting that all together to have a winning season is a different thing. It felt like going into last season, it was finally time for Miles Brennan. He had sat behind Burrow, and it was finally going to be his time. He struggled. He had injuries. By the end of the season, he, you know, he was out. 
And Max Johnson, I thought, was, was impressive in, in the time he got to play. Obviously, T.J. Finley, he's out of the equation now. What's that quarterback battle look like down there? It's really going to be fascinating because I don't think anyone would have blinked twice if that Ogeron LSU were like, yeah, Miles Brennan's your job again. You know, he averaged, yeah, 380 yards a game, I think. was getting better each week. Everything looked good, but I really think it's a, a neck-and-neck competition, and if anything, I think the – the lead just on based on who you talk to right now is Max Johnson, in which, you know, there's going to be a second year of eligibility, but technically it's four years left. Right. He's more mobile. He's maybe, you know, maybe got a little more touch and things like that. And, yeah, I mean, you, like you said, you look at that Florida game and that Ole Miss game, I mean, yeah, he looked like a raw freshman, of course, but he doesn't have a huge arm, but he just looked like a mature, grown-up quarterback. You know, he just looked like you know how to run things, and I think that meant a lot to Ogeron. I think he has a connection with a lot of the – the skill players and the guys. So, but at the same time, Brennan has a cannon. He looked really good in the spring game. Not that that means much. And and again, like even the game he got knocked out against Missouri with a torn abdominal through for like 450 yards or something. You know, so it's like it's a good problem to have. But of course, that comes with the huge issue of yeah. But whoever you don't pick, you got to worry about them leaving. So it is tricky in that sense. But I do at least think whoever wins it is good enough in a vacuum to get this team back to you know winning nine or ten games. Two seasons ago, LSU had the best skill position players in the country, running back, receiver, tight end, top to bottom. All those guys, almost all of them now are in the NFL. Who are the new faces at LSU that will be running the ball and catching the passes this year? Absolutely, yeah. I, I think you start with Kayshawn Booty, the receiver, who obviously was a small sample size for that last four games of the year. I think it was somewhere around like 680 yards in four games and obviously tore up Ole Miss for record-breaking numbers. So he's the guy, right? He's yeah. clearly the new face of that group. After that, it's it's tricky because it's LSU. They're always going to recruit well. And I'd say running back and receiver are both really deep. You know, like you, you're, you're four deep at running back and nine deep at receiver if guys you're happy to play. But I still don't know who the guys are, you know, where it's, yeah, I, I, Jare Jenkins and Coy Moore, those guys are trustworthy at receiver, but – are they, you know, stars? I don't know. Or they love these this freshman class. They have like four top one hundred receivers coming in this year. Deion Smith's the name to watch. Obviously, you might know him. Obviously, Mississippi guy. And you know, I, I think you got to watch for him. You got to watch for uh, Jack Besh is another freshman. It has like that. And a running, but again, I just don't know who's going to really break out. And then a running back, I still truly don't know because John Emery's this five star guy who. We've all seen flashes where he looks like that guy could be a superstar, but, you know, discipline and just, you know, the little things, the blocking, the pass catching, stuff like that, they just haven't been able to rely on him. And Edwards even called that group a disappointment. So I give Tyreon Davis-Price, you know, a bit more of a power back the the edge there, but who knows? You know, I, I think they're looking for a lot more there. Just the dumb question. I'm sure this is the answer is yes, but is that Brett Besh's kid? Jack Besh, is that his kid? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't. The 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 line the the, the the LSU uh, you know, getting the, the the legacies it always works out. I know Walker Howard's coming coming next year as well. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> why isn't Mississippi State going to throw for six hundred and twenty three yards on LSU this season? <laughs> yeah. I mean, gosh, that was really is like the more that season is that one of those surreal crazy. games you've ever covered. It re- I really would put it up there. I mean. Especially because we spent all offseason talking about how elite that secondary was going to be, and that's just like dear God. Uh, but you know, I think okay, you start with Eric Stingley is you know generally considered probably the top defensive back in the country. So you start there. He was there last year. Actually, no, he wasn't. He was sick. You're right. But yeah, Derek Stingley's back. 
Uh, and then Eli Ricks obviously had an All-American season, had like five interceptions, you know, had a great year. And I think the main thing that you'd look at as promising is, they, and I, actually I think Bruce, our, uh, Bruce Sullivan, my colleague, just even mentioned him in his breakout candidates for the season nationally, is, is safety Jay Ward, who, you know, was a, was a solid corner last year, but kind of got beat up and, you know, got blamed on some of the coverage busts, but they moved him to safety and he has just been like, the breakout star of the last few months, and, and I really think he's going to be the, the next guy. But my real answer to that is, I mean, you saw just as much as me, the disasters of last year's 2020 defense were just simple communication busts and, and safeties not knowing which way to go and, and nobody being on the same page and just, like, it was... It wasn't like talent. It's never going to be a talent problem with LSU. It was just like the fundamentals under Bo Pelini. And I'm not saying it all should be blamed on Pelini. I'm sure it's a mixture of a lot of things. But I really do think, and, and so far the feedback has been, that Toronto Jones, if he can just fix that communication, get people on the same page, which I do believe has been the case the last few months, and get those basics down, the secondary is really good. I mean, it's up there with any in the country, you would assume, in a vacuum. So, yeah, I think in general it's safe to say that pass defense will improve a good amount, but I'm not going to – I mean, obviously we have to wait until until proven. What about the guys up front? I mean, LSU defensive line, it sort of goes hand in hand. Who, who are going to be the guys getting after the passer for the Tigers? Yeah, as much as I talk about all the flaws, I think it's – I think the clear strength of this entire program right now is defensive line. I'm really not exaggerating when I say they are legitimately eight to ten deep of guys they would have been happy to start two years ago, even on the title team. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. they're really deep there, and you have you know Glenn Logan, Neil Farrell. Those are guys who have been there pretty much four year starters. You know, or contributors. But then you know, I mean Mason Smith, the five stars, legitimately talk of him starting as a true freshman, which is crazy as defensive tackles, you know, and and then. Andre Anthony, Ollie Gay looks like he has a chance to be a high draft pick at defensive end. Watch out for him on the edge. BJ Ojolari, I think, had you know five or six sacks just as like a third down guy last year. So he's another huge name to know off the edge. But also, you know, I really think that Jaquelin Roy's a guy to always watch. So they're they're just so deep there that and and you know as well as I, the main victory there isn't just the talent. It's the idea that you can then keep everyone fresh because you're rotating defensive lines every other series. That's huge. So that's got to be their bread and butter. Basically, if I had to give a recipe for what this defense needs to be, it's your D-line controls the line, your corners control the outside. and Yeah, you might have some question marks with linebacker and safety, but at least you have those other areas kind of locked down. What's realistic for LSU this year? Obviously, two years ago, they may have been the best team in college football history. Last year, they, they, they alternated somewhere between pretty good and train wreck. Where are they this year? What's a realistic expectation for the Tigers? You know, it's like this tough thing where I have to separate. Like, of course, coming off last year, you don't want to get too, too like over the top because yeah, some of those issues might still be lingering. So who knows? But if I remove that and you just look at what's here, what you have in front of you, yeah, this is a top twelve team in the country or fifteen team in the country. Like they are that good, and mainly they're absurdly experienced. They have, like, 32 guys who started games last year. So, in a vacuum, like, why don't I keep playing in a vacuum? But, they, they should you, be you a need to buy a Roomba? Team. What's going on here? I was going to say, yeah, maybe it's lingering in the back of my mind. Got to replace <laughs> <laughs> But, I, I think they should be a 10-win team. Nine wins would be perfectly fine. Those should be the expectations. You know, obviously, Bama, I mean, I think we all live in the same universe where that's always assumed, if we're just being honest with ourselves, to be a loss. 
after that, though, it's one of those years where the schedule is actually favorable. Where you know those huge toss-up games, you know your Floridas, your your um, your A and M's, games like that that are your big toss-up rivalry games. Those are home. That's good, you know. And and you know Florida and Auburn, I expect to be kind of you know taking a bit of a, a reset right, right now and things like that. So you know UCLA is a, a tricky non-conference, but of course LSU should win that game. So. It's this weird thing where I'm not actually saying LSU is like a top seven team, but they should go ten and two or something like that and be in that that range. So that's the expectation, considering the mixture of schedule, experience, all that. And yeah, if they go eight and four or something, it's a bad look. And that that would be my last question: if if, if it does go wrong for LSU and they are eight and four or something like that happens, if they lose to Mississippi State for the fourth time in eight years, what what's the fallout down there? I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of hard conversations had. And, of course, you know, and this this is a correct usage of this, so I can't believe I'm saying this for a fourth time. But, like, it's no, I'm going to avoid it. But I'm not going to say it. But, yeah, I think <laughs> in general, none, none of this does happen in a vacuum. See, I said it. It, it, it. It's because of the weirdness of last year, the culture issues, the off-the-field stuff. LSU's in a Title IX scandal. I mean, you have a... It's just like cornucopia of messiness right now. So I think if you do have like like exactly like you said, a year like that, yeah, I think Scott Woodward is going to be having some tough conversations just with all these things together. That like, hey, maybe maybe you do start considering that. And again, I'm not like some guy sitting here saying it. Oh, you're on the hot seat. But if they do have a year like that, I think it's going to be really tricky. I I wouldn't be completely shocked if something you know there was a change. All right, this interview is brought to you by Dyson Vacuums. Check out their great selection of cordless vacs at Dyson.com. Brody Miller from The Athletic, man. Thanks for joining me. Really appreciate it. Always my favorite, man. Have a good one. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.